0: This, one, uh, this one's actually entitled The Crow and the Eagle. Um, I'd actually been at a duck hunt speaking. Um, actually, where, where Michael Zittle and them had been, um, it, was a, it was a hunt after that, and I was going back home on I-40, and I was almost a Shawnee, and, and there's a little little stream bed there you cross, and I'm cruising down I-40, and, and I catch a little glimpse of something over in the trees right along the edge of this little river, and it's a bald eagle sitting on top of this tree i love bald eagles i mean i just absolutely love bald eagles i mean i'm so intrigued with them i've studied a lot of things about a bald eagle and um I i share a few things with you eagles can fly higher than any other bird a bald eagle can actually fly higher than any other bird god ever created they have a wingspan of up to seven and a half feet so they're a pretty good sized bird they can stand nearly three feet tall they, weigh, they can weigh as much as about 14 pounds. That's, again, that's a pretty good-sized bird. They can see four to seven times as good as a human. From 1,000 feet in the air, they can spot prey in literally a three-mile area from 1,000 feet up. Their beaks, their talons uh, are made up of um, uh, keratin. It's the same substance that our hair and our fingernails come from. Same, same, same substance, and and the cool part about that is it's always growing. It's continuously growing. They can pick up as much as four pounds. When I mean, you think about well, four pounds, isn't that much? But for a bird, that's a lot of weight. Four pounds. They can fly at they can fly at speeds reaching as high as seventy five miles an hour. They have actually been seen by pilots as high as fifteen thousand feet. Fifteen thousand feet above the air. Now. The eagle is, is really a, a, a unique representation of, uh, in, in the spiritual realm, the eagle is actually used a lot in the prophetic, where they're talking about you know, pro- prophesying the future. And the reason being is, is, one, their ability to fly higher than any other bird, their ability to see farther than any other bird. Um, it's also, when it comes to the prophetic, it's all about renewing itself. It completely renews itself. It molts its feathers. It sheds its beak. It sheds its talons. So it completely renews, completely refreshes itself over and over again. Um, back to my story. I'm driving along the highway, and, I, and here's this bald eagle sitting on top of the street. And, and the guy just so beautiful. But something caught me rather comical. And again, I, I see things in cartoon form sometimes. Two branches down from this magnificent bald eagle is a crow. And I thought, that's a funny picture. I mean, when you think about it, here's this majestic bald eagle and then two branches down from this eagle is a dang old crow. And, I, and I, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, I really should have turned around and got a picture of that. Well, the next thing you know, I'm over on the side of the road because God's beginning to pour some things into me about what I'm seeing. And I'll share that with you uh, tonight. i get my notes to turn. Um, you see, an eagle represents everything we strive to be. And when you think about that, when, when when you when you see that majestic eagle, that's that's our dream, man. Our dream is to be that that top bird, that, that that beautiful that beautiful bald eagle, you know, so majestic, you know. But they're they're so powerful, they're 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 useful, they're desired. I mean, that's that's the coolest part about it, you know. And we all have that same desire in us. But the truth is, is is most of us, most of us are like that old crow. We're dark. We're dirty we're not committed 100 you know we're not willing to, to to sacrifice all it takes to be that eagle you know and um so we hang out next to them we rub shoulders with them you know we try to get close to them you know we, we try to do our best to imitate that eagle especially when we're in front of other people right we're putting off our best efforts But there's always this distinct difference between the crow and the eagle. See, the only only way that that crow will ever become an eagle is through a supernatural encounter with God. Otherwise, it can't happen, right? I mean, an eagle is not, you're not going to become an eagle. You're not going to come from a crow and turn into an eagle just because you're hanging out around them. There, There has to be an encounter. There has to be something supernatural that takes place. Now, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about an experience. I right? know I shared a little bit about experience versus encounter the other day. Um, an experience with Jesus is, is we, we can kind of get hung up right here. Uh, an experience is, is, is where we've been moved emotionally. Um, I don't know, you know, some of you have talked about your church time, you know, in your years growing up. You know, there's a lot of times where we find ourselves maybe moved so emotionally that we're at an altar. Maybe we feel guilty that we're not all we're supposed to be. And, and this message has made me feel guilty. So I'm, I'm going to go to the altar. And, and I might be really serious about it. I'm, I'm going to pour my heart out to God. And, and I'm truly sorry for, for the sin in my life. And I, and I give it to him. And, and you know what? I feel better. But the, but the problem is, I go right back to being a crow. See, nothing really changed. I had an experience you know, I, I had an emotional time. I might have even shed tears, but but I went right back to the very things that caused me to get that place in the first, in, in the beginning. Nothing really changed. So we we we've, we've left the experience. We go back to our life. It continues to draw us away from him. The only way a crow is ever going to become an eagle is through an encounter with God. Now, when you look at that, there there's several encounters that take place in the Bible, but I want to point out a couple of them. In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 9, the story of Saul. Now, I I don't know if you're, you're, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I've heard enough stories that I know who Saul is. Saul was, his his history, um, he was a persecutor of Christians. His job, his government-issued job was to hunt them down and if necessary, kill them. That was Saul's job. So here we find Saul and his team, and they're on the road to Damascus. This is one of the coolest stories in the Bible. And he's, he's on the road to Damascus, and it, it picks up in chapter uh, 9, verse 3. And, he, and, he's, as he, and I, it says, as he's approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven, heaven suddenly shines down around him, and he falls to the ground, and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's response in verse 5 is, who are you, Lord? Saul asks. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you are prosecuting or persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul and all his buddies, they're standing speechless because they heard this voice too. And there ain't nobody standing there. You know, I I don't know if any of y'all ever heard any voices, but most of the time you hear voices and there ain't nobody standing around you, somebody's going to say you're crazy. Well, here, they all heard it. They all heard these voices. And uh, Saul picked himself off off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand into Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days. He didn't speak or drink. Now, when you think about this, Saul did not have an emotional experience here. And it might look emotional, because the dude hears a voice, he can't see nobody. Somebody calls him out, and then strikes him blind. So, I mean, there could be some emotion involved in that, but here's, here's what happens with Saul. See, the, 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 he has an encounter because everything that happened is about to change his life forever. Saul was never the same again from that moment on that road to Damascus. Matter of fact, he later got a name change. Saul was no longer an old crow. Through this encounter with the Holy God, he was transformed into an eagle, set apart for use by his creator. Somewhere along in about chapter 13 of Acts, Saul becomes Paul, who becomes the author of a huge portion of the New Testament. So you you take a man who was persecuting Christians, who was killing Christians, just because of their faith, and because of an encounter with God, it changed his life forever, and now the dude even gets a name change and winds up writing a huge portion of the New Testament through his testimonies of what was going on. Now, I could go on with a lot of other life-changing encounters, but... And there's many of them that are recorded in the Bible, but uh, I'll just tell you a couple more. Peter is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Peter is a knucklehead. I mean, I, I can I can relate to Peter. You know, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. He was very close to Jesus when when they were doing their ministry on the ground, and and here we go all the way down to the wire where Jesus is about to get arrested. You know, and and Peter's right there beside him, but but Jesus told him, "Dude, you're gonna you're gonna deny me. You're gonna deny me in front of all this public." You know, Peter's like, "Huh? Not me, dude." I mean, I got you all the way to the end, and of course we know the story. Peter does wind up denying him, and he, and he winds up skulking away and, and hiding so that he doesn't have to go through the things, things, same things that Jesus did. But here's where the encounter comes in with Peter. There's a story, and some, some of you will know it, maybe some of you don't. There's a story about where Peter and the disciples, Jesus had sent them on uh, to another location while well, he'd gone away to pray. So they're out there rowing this boat across this sea. And the, the, the wind's up, you know, and I don't know how many of y'all ever paddle a boat in the wind, but it ain't fun. So they're out there paddling this boat. And they're trying to cross this, and they're, they're going against the wind. There's a, there's a tempest is the way the Bible says. So There's a small storm going on here. And the next thing you know, they look out, and they think they're seeing a ghost. Because here comes Jesus walking on the water. You know, someone asked me if ghosts are real, and I'm like, well, it's in the Bible. <laughs> they must be, right? Because they thought Jesus was a ghost walking on the water out towards him. So Jesus says, hey guys, you know, don't worry about it. Don't fear. You know, it's just me. Well, Peter, I mean, you gotta I mean, got love this dude. He said, if that's really you, Lord, you you tell me to come join you on the water. What does Jesus do? Come on. Now I have a feeling, and you have to watch what I when I speak. I I like to use a lot of different versions of the Bible when I study, but I also will use the MOV, which is my own version. And so sometimes that's um Sometimes I I have to add lib a little bit. And I try to warn people when I'm using the MOV. So this is kind of my MOV version because he I really believe that Jesus told every one of those guys in that boat, come on, come join me out here. If you don't believe who I am, come, come with me. Come out here on the water. Peter is the only one of them knuckleheads that would get out of the boat. Now, now again, we're still not to an encounter. You think about man, walking on the water? I mean, the only time you do that is when a mouth falls in your boat, right? I mean, you walk on the water, to get away from them dudes. But, But when you really think about it, Peter starts to walk on the water and you think, man, that's an encounter, right? That's supernatural. He walks on the water. It's not the encounter. That's still an experience. Peter was having an experience because the moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus, the Bible records that as he began to look upon the storm that was going on around him, he sank. Well, what's he do? Smartest thing a knucklehead can do when you sink in the middle of a storm, you cry out to the Lord to save you. So he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus recorded the Bible, he reaches out his hand, he lifts him up onto the water. Okay, again, we're still in an experience mode here. We still haven't got to the encounter. Even, even though Jesus saves him from drowning, lifts him back up on the water, the, the encounter comes, it's not even recorded in the Bible, this comes in the MOV. How do they get back in the boat? See, it doesn't show that in the word. But they're standing out there on the water. Jesus just saves him from drowning. They're still out there on the sea. There's still a storm raging. How did they get back in the boat? See, the encounter comes when, Paul, or when Peter walks with Jesus back to the boat on the water. How cool is that? Now, the, 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 the third one I'll give you. Um, how about we go all the way back to where Jesus is hanging on the cross? He's got a thief on each side. One of those guys is cursing him, but the other one is defending him. And he's telling his buddies, like, dude, shut up. This, he doesn't deserve, we deserve this, man. We, we brought this on ourselves, but this man's done nothing to deserve this. And he looks at Jesus and he says a real simple, just a simple phrase. He looks at Jesus and he said, Lord, today when you enter your kingdom, remember me that's all he was asking i mean the guy didn't say hey you know jesus do something cool here and get me off this cross he didn't say save my life he didn't say take away this pain he said today knowing jesus is going to die right there with him today when you enter your kingdom would you remember me what did jesus say to him he simply said today you will be with me in paradise Again, we're at an experience level here. He's hanging on a cross. He's feeling pain. This this thief, even though he recognizes who Jesus is, he's still feeling the pain and the agony that's coming. And and he knows that death is coming to him. And it ain't a pretty sight. Crucifixion is one of the most gruesome forms of of death known to mankind. Still is today, I believe. I, I don't think that anything compares to crucifixion. I don't know if you've ever really looked at crucifixion, but... This, I'll just throw this in for free. It's not in my notes. Um, the way you die on a cross, you know, they, they, they nail you. Now, you know, everybody talks about the nail prints in his hands. Your, your hands typically would not hold your body weight, so the nail actually goes between your you know, through your wrist between those two bones. That, that's where the the, the strength is going to come to hold you on the cross. Of course, obviously, they nail your feet together on that cross as well. Now, the, now the problem comes in on crucifixion is. When you are slumped in that format, the body can only inhale. You can't exhale. So the only way you can blow that air back out of you is to press and pull against those nails and raise your structure up, your diaphragm up, so that you can blow that air out. Suffocation is actually where they died from besides the brutality on the cross. So when you think about that, the the agony of what you're going to have to do just to breathe. So... If this was taking too long, if you're a tough guy and, and you're able to endure some pain, then it's going to take a while for you to die up there. So what do they do? They break your legs. They come along with a club and they break your legs so that you can't push yourself up anymore and you're going to suffocate and die. So, so they're, they're, you know, these guys know this. I mean, they've seen this happen. They, they know what crucifixion is about. So is Jesus. Now, Jesus went willingly to that cross. He went willingly to that cross, to that brutality, just for us. I, I, I mean, I can't hardly fathom that. But you guys served. You, you, know, you, you put yourself in harm's way for, for a people that you don't know. But I think I don't know that any of you actually planned on not coming home, right? I, I mean, you knew there's a possibility here, but, but your plan was to come home. Jesus' wasn't. He knew what was going to happen to him from the get-go. Matter of fact, all the way back in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says a prayer to God. He's literally in there praying, and he is sweating, and and he's he's sweating so profusely that he bleeds. There's actually a medical condition that that can actually take place in. I I can't tell you what that is right now. But it actually breaks the capillaries inside of your your vessels, and you you literally bleed as you sweat. And this was happening to him because he, he knew what was coming. And he literally, his human nature shows up here because he said, Lord, if this cup could pass from me. In other words, he's saying, God, if there's there's any other way we can pull this off, I'm really game, but not my will be done, but yours. So he's willing to go to the cross for us. And he does just that. So here he is, this this thief saying, Lord, just remember me when you enter your kingdom, because I know who you are. You're not worthy of dying in this this fashion, because you're not guilty of anything. I'm guilty. So he recognized his sin. The encounter comes as this thief breathes his last breath of of earthly air. He takes his first breath in paradise with Jesus. What a transformation, huh? That is a supernatural encounter with God. He he literally left a world, a sinner, and he entered paradise with the king. That man's flesh suffered and died that day, but he breathed his last on the earth, took his first in the very presence of God. What about you? What about you? You, you tired of just going through the, the motions, the emotions of experience in your life? Um, they don't last, right? We, 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 we talk about these peaks and valleys in our life, you know, and, and a Christian walk's no different. We have all these peaks and valleys. You know, we have these high moments. Things are good. This is a good weekend, you know. I mean, everybody's everybody's jacked up about this weekend, right? We've had a great weekend here together. You know, iron sharpening iron. But what happens when we go home? What happens next week when when we face our struggles again? You know, what happens when you get back out on the beat? You know, things just aren't going good. You know, what happens when when you get home and, and... you know, somehow the toilet breaks, you know, life goes south again. You know, what happens? Do, do we lose what we have? Do do we take the, the, the moment that we've had here this weekend and simply let it be an experience? Or do we look for a life-changing encounter with God to leave this place changed? We'll leave this place with a name change. Leave this place, instead of being a Saul Instead of being someone with an experience with God, that we leave this way being a Paul, someone who's going to write some things that's coming in the future. When you, when you, when you look on into the, the Acts chapter 9, um, there's, a, there's a gentleman, he's one of the disciples, his name's Ananias, and he's given some instruction. God speaks to Ananias, and he, and he says, I want you to go. To this city, to Damascus, you want to look, look for a street named Straight. <laughs> Saul was on a street named Straight, and you're going to encounter this man named Saul. And I want you to go in. I want you to pray for him because I have use of him. Ananias argued with God. He's like, dude, do you know who he is? I mean, that dude's hunting us. I don't want to go see him. I don't want to. I don't want to get anywhere near him. And God says, go, because I have use of him. He's going to be an instrument in in the future of this kingdom. And and that's what I'm telling you today. God's God's looking to have an encounter with you because he has use for you. You're not washed up. You're not done. You know know how many times I've heard that in the last month (laughs) with all of my little issues going on? You know, I've had people emailing me. I've had people messaging me. I've had people texting me. Well, God's not through with you yet, man. Don't you give up. I've got news for you. I'm not giving up, you know. I don't know what God has in store for me, but I know that my last breath will be breathed doing whatever he has me doing. That's how committed I am. So I had an encounter with him. I had an encounter with him that changed my life forever. I can't go back. I know what's behind me. And it ain't good. There is nothing I have in this life short of my relationship with Christ that is worth anything. That, that's the ultimate goal, guys. That that transformation, that going from being an old crow, that, that transformation to being that eagle, you know, I got news for you, I haven't arrived yet. I look like some kind of jacked up eagle right now, you know, because I'm about half crow and still got, you know, things going on. But I'm looking to be that eagle by the time this thing is done, because I want to do what God's called me to do. What about you? As we close tonight, and this weekend's coming to an end, I want you to consider that really heavily. What are you going to do from this point? Do you, do you let this be just an experience that you've gone through, just one more notch in your belt? You know, Michael, I mean, how many times you come to an event now? Three, four, five times. You know, if, if all Michael was doing was looking for experiences, that man wouldn't have said what he said tonight. You understand that, that, that as, as we progress in our faith with Christ, it, it's our willingness and our, and, our, and our forcefulness to become whoever he's called us to be. We have to fight for it. It's not, it's not a silver platter issue. You know, you're not going to walk away from here, and life is going to be all, all roses from here out. I have news for you. You're going to walk out of here. You, 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 you tie in with God, and you ask God to give you an encounter to change you forever. You better buckle up. I was talking with Ben the other night. You know, in Ephesians, the Bible talks about our armor. And it talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. You know, the, 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 the shin guards, or whatever they call them things, the, the shoes, you know, they're shod. And you look at them old Roman soldiers, you know, it was all on the front, right? And, and, and you have a shield of faith. You have your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's something very unique about the armor of God. There is nothing on your backside. Two reasons. One, we're to have each other's back. We are to guard each other. We're to to cover our tails. You know, how how do you guys say it? Somebody's got my six, right? That's exactly what it is. Number two, we should never turn our back on our enemy. We ain't got no protection back there. So we always face our enemy. And you face him with all of the armor that God's given you. And that, that sword, his word, is the key element. You got to use it. You got to put it to use in your life. You have to seek an encounter with a holy God. I I can't tell you when you'll have that. I I mean, dude, I'll pray for you tonight. You know, I I pray that that you don't leave here with just an experience. That you leave here changed. But, But I ain't in control of that. You are. Because it's all about sacrifice and it's all about surrender. It's all about giving up our life For him, the same as he gave his for us. If you would, just bow your heads with me. I just want you to consider all the things that you've seen and heard this weekend. A lot of of stories, um, a lot of laughter, lots of fun things. There's been a lot of challenges given. And it's your call from this point. None of us in this place, no one involved with Peterson's, no one involved with Luke's ministry, no, none of us can make those decisions for you. Those are things that you have to do on your own. Those are decisions that you must make. Whether you're a volunteer with Peterson's or whether you're a participant, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a leader with Peterson's. You still have to make the decisions of how you're going to live your life. God is looking for you. He's looking to have an encounter with you. He is looking to change you forever. He desires for you to be who he's called and created you to be right now. You are are not here by happenstance. You are here by divine appointment and God is looking to encounter you. He set this up. John didn't. Luke didn't. Adam didn't. I didn't. God did And he's looking at your heart. He knows you. He knows what he created you for. And he knows the time is right now. You have the opportunity to surrender to him and begin a whole new life. I I don't really care what kind of relationship you think you might have with God. I'm asking you tonight to to cash in. Give it all to him. 100% lock, stock, and barrel. Sell out. Completely sell out to him tonight and see what he'll do in your life. Father tonight I just